Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters Podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the Deputy Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined today by everybody's favorite economist and director (laughs) of research, Oscar Way. Hey, Jordan. Good to see you, and uh, we missed you last time. I know. I You guys actually knocked it out of the park. It makes me a little scared for my job security because you guys did uh, did such a good job, but it's good to be back because there's so much happening out there and, and changes, and I think uh, it, it will be good to to get members up to date because there's a lot of variables happening, some good, some uh, some bad. Maybe we can dive into... Uh, some of the the kind of medical side of the economy, which seems to be an ever-present feature that we're having to uh, keep our our finger on the pulse for. But you had a a really nice summary of the kind of uh, COVID update. Do you want to walk us through some of those numbers? Sure, absolutely. But before that, I just want to tell you that, you know, you're a little humble. I think you have a a, a stream of fans, you know, who listen to our podcast all the time. So I'm sure I'm not the one who will miss you. Uh, A lot of our listeners miss you as well. Well, it's good to be back. <laughs> but let's first get started Yeah, on the medical side. You know, of course, we always start with some updates on the coronavirus because that's part of the why we're staying at home and why we're doing um, a podcast um, to keep you guys informed about what's going on with the coronavirus. And um, it, it's um, since about, what, three, four weeks ago, I think um, you know, we last recorded our podcast, yeah. uh, it seems like uh, things have gotten a little worse. Um, but the, the, the last few days, it's gotten a little bit better. So we've gotten worse, but then we've gotten better. So let me give you some numbers. Now, as far as the, um, you know, the, at the national level was concerned, we have over 4.2 million confirmed cases now. That's huge uh, compared to, yeah, it is a lot. You know, now, just that number alone doesn't give you anything, but uh, let's compare it to the end of June. End of June, we only had, uh, and I said, quote, unquote, only 2.7 million. Right. So we have increased quite a bit, you know, since that time. Yeah. And that's just over the last month. I think the last podcast, not the one that we did, but the last one um, that I recorded for, we were talking about how, you know, and that was back, I think in early June or, or um, late May, that things were looking good, right? We were moving in the yeah. right direction. Cases were um, not rising anymore. And, and so just over the course of the last month or so, we have seen uh, things start to move a little bit back in the wrong direction. Yeah, and I mean, that's the reason why at the end of May, we had, you know, reopening or mid of May, we had reopening. Yep. And of course, we believe at that time, a lot of people believe not just us that, you know, things could get better if we actually could, uh, you know, keep the uh, coronavirus situation under control. We all practice social distancing and things like that. But obviously, yep. um, we might be, uh, we might be a little uh, too rush uh, in a yeah. way. Now, for COVID- right, I mean, you know, the, the bottom line is that the, the reason why we care is that this has impact, obviously, on the economy, you know, aside from the human cost of it, obviously, but when people aren't able to, you know, the econ nerds like us like to call these multiplier effects, mm-hmm. but really what it means is that, you know, when you're stuck at home, when you haven't gotten your job back, when you're not making that, that income that you're not out there 
um, stimulating the economy, right? You're not out there buying stuff from people's businesses. You're not out there um, trading up on homes or looking for a new uh, rental, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's a, a troublesome kind of trend that we've seen creep up not nationwide, just because again, we've always said that the housing market and the economy are kind of in, in, in some ways tied to what happens to us on the medical front. So how's, how are those national numbers playing out in California? Are we doing better? Are we doing worse? Are we moving in the same direction? Or, or do you have a sense of that? Yeah, it's actually pretty consistent for the state as a whole compared to the, the to, to nation. It's actually pretty consistent. Um, in fact, you know, you can say some of the states like California um, actually um, turn out to be a little bit worse than, you know, some of the other states. You just show you some numbers. Um, for California, we have, um, as of last week, I think uh, we had 435,000 cases, more than 435,000 cases. Uh, and that's actually, if you look at that number, that's actually double, you know, what it was about a month ago. Wow. Um, that, yeah, that's very uh, disappointing. Uh, at the same time, you know, the, um, the, the daily news, uh, the, the death rate at the new, uh, the daily level, it actually has hit, you know, the highest level about uh, three, four days ago. And um, that was, uh, I think at one point it crossed uh, 10,000 at around 12,000 or so. So, I mean, recently, as I mentioned, you know, the last couple of days, things have calmed down a little bit. Uh, but, um, you know, things still are a little bit higher compared to about a month ago. Got it. Yeah. And I think the the big thing is is not just that uh, that we're doing more testing, which we definitely, you know, uh, you know, strive to to kind of make it so that everybody who wants a test can get one. But but also just the percentage of people who take the test and the test comes back positive suggests that that the virus is out there at slightly uh, more elevated levels. That yes, we're doing a bit more testing, but just the percentage of people who get the test, um, you know, are are having the the infection at, at higher rates even than than what it was back in June, and and that's worrisome as well, right? Because Part of this is that you know more the more tests you do the more virus you're going to find but the percentage is is immune to to the numbers of of tests being done yeah that's the more concerning part as you said you know um because we expect more you know tests to to have more cases but you know when we have more people being tested being positive and more people being hospitalized that's a concerning part and we don't want that to happen because it's it's for one thing it it definitely have a negative impact on public health but for another it affects you know the economy as well um, right. how's the economy doing right now yeah and and there you know the the news is more mixed and this is the hard part as an economist right mm. because the vast majority of our our data that we have is um, backward looking, right? right? So you look at something like uh, a retail sales number or a, a leading economic index, those numbers have have started to come back, right? The leading economic index right. was up by about uh, 2% last month. And, and so, you know, things have continued to move in the right direction. In, in terms of that, we saw a big bounce back from May in terms of the retail sales. And we always say how important consumer spending is, right? I think it's still something like 70% of the whole US economy. And so when people are back spending uh, at stores and you have some pretty impressive numbers on some of these categories, but overall retail sales were up seven and a half percent, but we saw some pretty big jumps in, in other categories. Yeah, and like clothing, mm -hmm. and even for you know the, the sector that we talked about, like restaurants and yeah. bars. Now keep in mind, 
you said it right. You know, this, these are backward looking indicators. So, you know, when we look at May number, you know, when we just had, you know, the economy uh, state reopen, you know, it's, everything's looks pretty rosy, like, okay, well, things are back to normal. Things are back to normal, but um, yeah. it also is a um, sort of precursor to, to, to let people know that while maybe we have a little bit too much activity in May, that act that actually led to a little bit more concerning um, the public on the, on the public health side. Right. And I think that's, that's the kind of flip side of this, right? Because when you look at some of the other indicators that are maybe more um, forward looking, or at least maybe trying to measure the here and now, um, you know, we saw a decline for the first time, I think in two, three months in right. consumer sentiment, right? And so um, it's great to see consumers spent more back in June, but when we talked to them in early July, they were actually starting to get worried about the shelter in place orders going back into effect, the case numbers mm -hmm. going back up, and they were worried, um, or at least more uncertainty. And I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the more troubling thing is that we've enjoyed a pretty robust recovery up to this point from about mid-April, the pending started going up and, and unemployment claims started going down. And, and we've really been riding that wave, but now as, as kind of the, like you said, the public health side has started to rear its ugly head again, then we're seeing that consumers are getting worried again, either because they've lost their jobs or um, they're being forced to stay at home and can't spend money again or what have you, any kind of myriad psychological reasons. But that suggests that, that we might see the, the recent rebound in consumer spending as an example. Uh, start to soften. The other right. reason I think that is because uh, we see kind of similar deterioration on the labor market side, right? I think you're absolutely right. You know, we track and we look at, you know, the weekly jobless claim on a regular basis. And, you know, we, we put out those numbers regularly. And it, it's true, you know, for a few weeks, for like 12, 13, 14 weeks or so, we continue to see the jobless claims numbers started, you know, start, start continue to decline. But I think in the latest number the latest week meaning um i think the week of what the the 14th or 15th the yeah. uh, july 14th 15th or something like that you know jobless claims actually bounced back a little bit this is actually the very first time um that we saw an increase on a week-to-week -week basis on jobless claims which suggests to us that you know there are more there seem to be a little bit more people started applying for um first time uh, jobless claim and yeah. the other part of it is also uh, today is um, uh, 27th uh, July. We still have not heard um, or um, the the confirmation about what's going to happen uh, to the um, the federal jobless um, uh, assistance. Yeah. And we know that something is going to happen, but we don't have the final words yet. So I think when people took that consumer uh, sentiment test, they're concerned because they don't know what's going to happen when that uh, actually expires, whether they're going to yep. receive another check. Totally. And just for the folks who, who maybe aren't uh, as in the weeds on unemployment insurance as us, you know, I, I, I think that uh, the thing that Oscar's referring to is that as part of the COVID, the initial COVID relief packages mm -hmm. that we tacked on an additional $600 to the, to the base um, unemployment insurance assistance, right? So the, uh, the unemployment check that you were getting was increased by uh, something on the order of about 600 bucks. Right, per week and, or something like that. Per week, exactly. And that was really um, additional income that you didn't 
to be able to get on unemployment that was really helping a lot of families make ends meet. In some cases, it's a really significant portion of the the base benefit as a percentage, right? And so it's going to, uh, when that expires on July 31st or whatever, that's going to be a, you know, potential significant loss of income. And as Oscar said, they're doing all the political wrangling in, in Washington, D.C. to try and come to a resolution. But we, you know, we don't have any certainty on that. And I think that mm -hmm. that is showing up in, in the sentiment. And also just the fact that more people lost jobs last week, right? Exactly. That also uh, factors into how you're feeling about the economy. When you, when you get laid off, you tend to be uh, a little bit more optimistic. And we see similar things in California, right? If you look at some of the labor market numbers here, um, California is still going through some of those similar trends. In fact, we've seen um, a kind of steady uptrend. Well, the numbers have been up for two weeks in a row in terms of new unemployment claims, people losing their job. But really since about mid-May, we've either been flat or having a very moderate uptick uh, in people losing their jobs. So we still have a, a long road to hoe even without this recent resurgence in, uh, in COVID. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at how it compares to late March, it may look like it's pretty encouraging, but if you just look at the last few weeks, it's just not moving. Things right. are not moving for whatever reason. Still almost you know, 300,000 people filed for unemployment. Those are new claims. So those are people who just lost their jobs. And again, that's better than the 1.1 million that we had in, you know, back in late March. But if you compare it to like where we were before the crisis, we were only seeing about 40,000 uh, jobless claims, right. right? So we're something like five, six times worse still today than we were before the crisis. We're not, you know, 20, 30 times worse than we were. Um, but, you know, still, again, a, a long way to go. And, and so I, I think that, you know, although we can be optimistic, and we've seen tremendous uh, demand in the housing market, right? And we actually saw in our June press release that that the numbers came kind of roaring back, not necessarily to pre-crisis levels, but we, you know, definitely chipped away at, at some of the, the kind of declines that we had in April and May. But I think still in the context of some of this economic data that we, you know, we should be uh, optimistic, but very cautiously optimistic. Because when you, when you just look at the June numbers, you maybe think it's time to start celebrating <laughs> and that we're, we're on the mend, right? Can you walk us through just uh, how sharp that, that bounce back was in June? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's definitely a little better than the uh, general economy as a whole. I mean, if you look at sales, yes, you right. said, you know, it's not as uh, good as, you know, pre-COVID uh, level, but just remember what happened in, in April and what happened in, in May. In April, right. we dropped like, what, 30%, and then in May, we dropped another 40% compared to, you know, the, the previous year. But in June, yes, it's still down compared to last June of 2019, but we're back by we actually increase on a month to month basis by over 40%. And that's pretty impressive. Actually, that's, that's the biggest the big, yeah. that we have ever had. Um, but we're still trailing behind last year by 12 or 13% or so. Um, and as such, in the first half of the year, we're still down by about 13%. But the other sign right. that I'm actually very encouraged by is on the pending side. Right. The pending sales actually show, it has been showing some increase in the last uh, month or last couple of months or so, but this month it's actually show an increase of 22.5%, um, you know, after an increase of 67% the previous month. And I'm, I'm, ta I'm talking about, you know, month to month uh, right. change. 
And uh, if we actually have those 22.5% uh, increase uh, materialize, then we may actually see a year-over-year uh, -year increase in July. Right, which is still, I mean, you know, pretty pretty remarkable. I mean, you pointed out that uh, we're still down, you know, 13% in June from where we were at this time last year, but that in and of itself is pretty impressive, right? Because as you said, we were, we had been down by more than 40% from where we were in 2019. And so just in, in that single month, and then to think that um, July's number might actually show an increase in sales mm -hmm. from 2019, even though we are, you know, in the midst of this kind of pandemic, and we have um, you know, huge no numbers of folks who are unemployed at the moment. So to actually have more home sales, not just an improvement from where we were at the bottom of the, of the downturn, right, but, but actually improve from where we were when the economy was relatively healthy, um, just I think really is a testament to um, how much housing demand there, there still is out there. I think, you know, a lot of the the job losses and things like that have been in uh, categories where unfortunately in California, those folks were not really in the prime income categories to be able to uh, purchase homes, but the people who were uh, potential home buyers before are largely still employed and their home now I think is more important to them than ever. And then when you throw in, you know, 2.9% mortgages, it's kind of like the perfect storm for, for housing demand. And I think that's why we saw um, or we haven't seen up to this point much downward pressure on prices and in fact um, in in June prices went up right it went up after I mean it, it actually you know in May it went down by what three three and a half percent I can't remember the exact percentage yep. but it bounced back in, uh, in, in in June and June actually came back and it set a new record high um, can you believe that I mean over 620 prices I know and that's very impressive. And you mentioned it. It has a lot to do with, you know, the buyer's demand. And it also has to do a lot with that 2.9% uh, 30-year fixed rate. You just imagine, um, I think uh, we put it in our PowerPoint, but just see how different, how much difference uh, in terms of 30-year fixed rate of how much in, uh, difference in terms of interest rate we have this year and last year. I think um, last month or the month before, we we're, were probably... Uh, differed or lower than last year at the same time by about you know, 80 basis point or so. Right. And if we turn that into actual dollar amount for a typical median price home, for someone paying a mortgage uh, for a typical um, um, median price home, you're saving maybe about two to 300 bucks a month. That's right. huge. Which is huge. Yeah. I think I went back and looked and, and it was like, you know, just principal and interest. So obviously low rates don't save us on our property taxes, uh, unfortunately. But if you look at just that principal and interest and, and keep in mind, this is the principal and interest on a, on an all time high median priced home, right? Compared mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. a more affordable home, uh, you know, a year ago, but at higher rates and 300, you know, that's a car. So you can get that same median priced home and a car, uh, just just with all the, the savings on on your your monthly uh, interest payment, so I do think that that is you know the buyer demand is is one side of it, but I think also the other the other half of of the price story is also on the inventory side, right? Because that's very true. That's very one true. of the the consistent things that we've seen throughout this crisis is that the impact on buy or on sellers has been much bigger than the impact on 
on buyers. When we asked buyers and sellers, is it a good time to buy? Is it a good time to sell? Uh, we saw much more pessimism creep in on the part of sellers who took their homes off the market than, than buyers who want to take advantage of 2.9% mortgages. And so, uh, you know, housing inventory is, is no picnic. And I think that's also why we're seeing, uh, you know, price pressure as well. What's going on with inventory? Yeah, inventory is very, very tight. You keep in mind a couple of things why, you know, inventory is tight. Well, before we, we talk about the reason behind it, you know, let me give you some number. Um, we always talk about months of supply, you know, and, and in the past, what, a year, two years ago, we were already saying, you know, okay, four months of supply. That's what, like, what we have a month, a year ago, we had like maybe four months of supply. And that actually is already tight, you know, for us, for, for the, the latest, um, uh, cycle or the latest uh, monthly statistics, that number is even lower. If you just look at active listings, number of active listings actually has been falling more than 25% for uh, the seventh consecutive month from last wow. year. And we actually had the biggest decline in maybe for at least, I don't know, going back to 2013, dropping by about 43%, which is very, very significant. Um, and that's huge. I want to pause there because a 43%, you know, decline, that means there was almost half as much uh, listings as there were at this time last year. And so again, when you juxtapose that against, uh, you know, people who want to take advantage, there's people who, you know, want to upgrade their home. They're working at mm -hmm. home a lot more. They maybe have a baby on the way. They need, you know, uh, a home that's going to work for this new kind of work lifestyle that they have where, you know, which includes a lot more remote working and things like that. And there's half as many almost listings as there was at this time last year. And again, you know, I think that that is, is something to point out for your buyers who maybe want to um, hang out and wait for prices to fall, right? They might right. be missing the boat on, uh, on very, very low rates because with so much demand, it doesn't look like, um, there's, there's a lot of price declines. And similarly, you know, for those sellers who maybe think that it's not a great time to sell, recessions aren't the best time in theory to sell a home. But when you look at how many buyers there are and how few options, it, it maybe isn't, isn't a bad thing to be one of the only homes on the market in that particular price range. And, and we see that homes are still selling quickly and without a lot of discounting. So again, I think it's just a testament to, uh, to how tight the supply is. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, interrupt you there Oscar I apologize but I just no, wanted no. to really uh, underscore that and put a you know put that one in bold face because 43% decline in inventory is is huge and and it may not be you know the the biggest um, you know when we go forward in the next couple months because we are you know as you said sellers are uh, probably not as optimistic as um, buyers and part of the reason is some of the sellers are also buyers because they right. need to find a home first before they can sell. So if they can't find a home, then they're not going to be able to sell. So, you know, we can just see that the supply is probably not going to get much better, at least in the next few months or so. I mean, of course we are transitioning. We may be transitioning into, you know, the off season in a month or two, but still, I don't think, you know, with the current uh, pandemic situation, supply is going to improve much. Right. And I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? For, for a seller, that sense of urgency maybe isn't necessarily there. They already own a home. Maybe it's right. not the perfect home for what they have. They've probably refinanced at some point this cycle and are sitting on a pretty low 
uh, mortgage rates that are maybe risk averse versus, you know, for the buyer who's in that apartment or that condo and is now spending, you know, all of their life that there's, there's that plus the, the chance to, to lock in one of these low rates and really uh, take advantage of those, those affordability, you know, benefits that we mentioned before. And so I think there's just that kind of mismatch where um, sellers, existing homeowners maybe have the luxury of being in a wait and see mode, whereas right. the buyers, um, you know, just again, have that, that fire under their feet to, to get out there for all these reasons. And if you're still making, making money and have your job and feeling confident and, and again, spending so much time in your home, it seems like for them a, a great time to buy. And I think some of the sellers, uh, anecdotally, I, mean, I don't have hard evidence, but anecdotally, some of the sellers might consider, uh, might uh, decide, okay, well, I'm just going to expand my house, remodel it a little bit instead of selling because of the, uh, the situation that we have now. Um, so that makes, just make it uh, you know, a little bit tough for the housing market. But if right. you just look at okay, so the same situation applies to you know the state at the national level as well. Right, we're seeing pretty um, strong demand at the national level as well. Right, yeah, and so we saw a similar bounce back, not quite as healthy as as California's, but um, you know nationally sales were up by more than twenty percent, and and actually they fell a little bit less on the way down. So they're actually doing a little bit better compared to last year, down just eleven percent compared to about thirteen for us. But if you look at prices, prices are going up nationwide too, right? And so in some ways it's paradoxical that, you know, how could we have all of this unemployment and be in this worst uh, recession since the Great Depression and have um, prices going up. But, you know, the the moral of the story is that inventory is down and that's not just a California specific thing. And and I know inventory went up na- nationwide about a, a percent and a half or so. Just um, from, from May. From May, but compared to last year, still down by double digits. And so, right. Um, you know, again, it seems like this common theme where the the forces propelling demand forward um, seem to be butting up against this this reluctance on the part of sellers to put their homes up on the market. And you know what? You know which uh, part of the housing market actually benefit from tight supply? New home sales. That's right. Yeah. And so, uh, and you know, I think that they also have the advantage compared to existing homes where you know, it's a little bit easier to follow the rules on homes that are unoccupied and they can be kept clean and scheduled with private showings. And so, uh, you know, I think new developments also just have the logistical, um, you know, advantage on that on that front versus dealing with home sellers who have to clear out and then clean the house for people I to know. come through um, and all of those, those rules. And, and you see that borne out in the statistics, right? Because sales were up uh, you know, Close almost 14%, 14%. Yeah. Yeah. And that was true out in, in our Western region as well by actually doing a little bit better up 18%. And so, um, you know, A, I think that there's the logistical stuff, but you also mentioned that, that there's, there's kind of a preference thing baked in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, of course, for, you know, there, it depends on how you look at it. For, we know that a lot of um, the uh, younger buyers, yeah. Younger buyers, millennials, you know, they're turning into, you know, the uh, home buying age. Some yeah. of them uh, could be uh, looking for, you know, a new home, um, particularly in a more affordable homes. You know, the, so they may be actually looking for um, 
as as more of these uh, millennials continue to uh, get into the housing market, and uh, and of course those are the uh, the for, those are first time buyers, and they're more concerned about you know the uh, interest rates environment, yeah. right? So they want to get into the market right now. They want to look at new homes because okay, well they 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 want to find you know something new. They want to find something that's already um, completed. They don't have to actually do any remodeling or anything like that. So I think they want it already nice. Absolutely, of course, uh, and and yes, you know, some of the nice new homes obviously are are, are uh, you know uh, something uh, readily available for them. So I think many of them are jumping into the market because of that reason. And we saw some um, statistics, I think, um, either yesterday or the day before, regarding the share of first-time buyers, right, at the national level. Yeah, I think it's at like thirty-five percent, still going very very strong. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, even just go back a couple of years, it was like down in the mid twenties. Right. And so we, we've seen uh, that demand from those first time buyers really start to, to come back. And I think that's a great segment to focus on, right? Because you were telling me that the, the amount of millennials then, and these are people who are now uh, in their, you know, early mid thirties. And I think we found that the number that are going to turn 40 is going to go up every year. So every year for the next decade or so, there's going to be more and more millennials hey. turning 39, 40. Um, and so these are all the folks who are now getting married, having babies, all of that stuff that really precipitates, um, you know, the, that home buying decision. And these are our folks who are doing relatively well economically. And so that's going to continue to be a, a force moving forward. So how about, you know, just a little bit closer to home and looking forward here in California for our members um, specifically, we've been on pretty, you know, a pretty wild ride where in June, the numbers have really uh, shot forward and it looks like the numbers for July will continue to be be pretty strong, right? And we see that in closed sales, but also maybe some 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 red flags for for August and September. Yeah, it looks like you know if you just look at you know closed sales uh, for at the July first couple of weeks of July or so, you know, yes, we are we continue to stay at a pretty high level. You know, if you look at the first two weeks of July, it's still higher than what we saw uh, before April, before yep. March. But and and it's it may you know this may seem like okay we're stretching our home buying season a little bit extending it a little bit longer, but we do see in the last week or so maybe it's just too early to say but we still see uh, last week or so some slowdown in terms of close sales uh, by maybe about a few percentage point at the state level, uh, but we're right. looking at some of the region like Bay Area and and Southern California they drop maybe about five or six percent I don't have the exact percentage here, but uh, five or six percent which is something to keep an eye on. Right. I mean, it's, it's not a huge decline percentage wise, but, you know, in the context of some of that earlier economic data where, you know, unemployment claims have started to go up again, consumers maybe aren't going to be spending as much going forward because they're uh, feeling less optimistic, right? That, that it's something to, to watch out for because it's the first time that we've seen closed sales decline since they started catching up with the pending sales, which really started to go up back in April. Um, mm-hmm. And we see kind of similar, similar things there, but also maybe some signs that maybe, uh, you know, things might start to improve again. Yeah, I think, you know, if we look at July, maybe early August, it looks like based on the pending sales number, I mean, pending sales have been, has been showing two to three weeks of decline already right. um, before the, the uh, last week. Um, so it looks like July, yes, we set pending sales in July based on the monthly number. It's going to increase year over year compared to last year, uh, uh, last July. Uh, but maybe August may slow down a little bit at the beginning of August. 
before bouncing back maybe at the end of um, August for close sales. It's I think there's a there are a lot of up in the air, a lot of things up in the air because yep. of the, uh, the few uncertainties that you talk about. You know the jobless claims, the uh, uncertainty about the um, uh, assistant program, uh, unemployment assistant program. Yep. Um, I think we need to observe for a couple more weeks before we can say whether the uh, home buying season really is extending to August or September. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, the moral of the story for me is that we haven't seen a ton of bad news come down the pike recently, you know, outside of those jobless claims and the, and the consumer sentiment stuff. But the, uh, you know, the, the, there's definitely been an increase, I think, in, in uncertainty, right? Certainly, mm-hmm. even though we haven't seen the, you know, that filter through to a lot of negative economic data. And, and so I think that that uncertainty is, is a big part. And the other part from the standpoint of the housing market is just we can't stress the supply side enough because, you know, rates are low. And many of those people who, um, you know, are, are still working are, or would be home buyers are looking to take advantage. And yet when you look at the, the inventory, just regardless of all the uncertainty and the new shelter in place and all of that stuff, um, even if all that stuff went away tomorrow, we're still looking at an inventory issue and, and having so many buyers without any homes to be able to put them in. And we see that kind of persisting in the, in the weekly data on new listings, right? Absolutely. I mean, we are seeing, you know, if you, we said, you know, pending sales, close sales, just stronger than, you know, what we saw uh, early um, April or um, even late uh, May, uh, late March before, you know, the coronavirus pandemic hit. But right. the other thing that you, we are seeing uh, consistently below last year, a few months ago's level is the new listings. Right. That is not going to improve. Doesn't look like it's going to improve. And yes, that is going to be a, uh, we're going to continue to have a supply shortage, but that actually also uh, give me a little bit more confidence uh, in terms of the uh, uh, home prices. It looks like it's not going to drop as much as what we thought it would be maybe even a, a slight increase uh, for the next couple months or so. Right. And I think that, you know, one, one of the really weird paradoxes is that the tighter the market gets and the, and the more upward pressure there is on home prices and the faster those homes sell, that maybe that will be enough to, uh, to eventually entice some sellers back into the market. So I think that we can still be, you know, optimistic looking forward. We haven't seen much bad economic data. We have seen good economic data too, right? We saw retail sales, uh, mm-hmm. going up. We see the housing market bouncing back in June. We saw pending sales uh, going up, but I think we still need to be cautious just because uncertainty is also ramped up over the course of of the last couple of weeks and maybe the last month even. And the other thing is that even if we woke up tomorrow and snapped our fingers and we're no longer in a in a pandemic with a with a you know working vaccine that was deployed magically overnight, that we've still got uh, this inventory challenge, which will be the the kind of limiting factor on the housing recovery. And so, uh, again, we can be optimistic, but we just still need to be cautiously optimistic and continue to monitor the trends on the labor market and see what consumers do, because those are, are the things that are ultimately going to drive the macro environment. And we know that um, the economy is still the biggest driver of what happens in housing. And so I think that... Uh, Absolutely. We, We've kind of beat this one to death, but I think we can we can go ahead and, and leave it there. Did I leave anything critical out, Oscar? I think we covered pretty much everything. We just need to continue to observe. 
and then uh, we will definitely report back to you know listeners uh, as we so, uh, start seeing more and more uh, on the progress of the housing market as well as the economy. Absolutely, yeah. As soon as we know something, you will know it too. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in for this latest Housing Matters podcast. We appreciate the support and we'll see you next time. See you next time.